Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. My name is Ted Bendel, and today I have the privilege of continuing our series on the letters of Paul to the church at Corinth, and today looking at 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. Let's get started. Wow. Thank you, team. Very much appreciate those songs that lead us into the very presence of God. I don't know if it was a deliberate, conscious decision on the part of Phil and the rest of the elders, or if somehow the Lord has been orchestrating this without conscious human intervention. But I find it fascinating that I've been asked to speak to you first on 1 Corinthians 9, um, where Paul was defending his practice of accepting gifts from other churches to help him and his colleagues to minister in Corinth. And then from 1 Corinthians 16, where Paul was giving instructions about a collection for the saints in Jerusalem. And today from 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, where the whole topic of Christian generosity is discussed. But somehow the three passages where Paul wrote to Corinth about supporting Christian ministries have fallen to me. And last week when I was musing on this with Steve, he reminded me that I had also had the privilege of preaching on the... uh, the brief um, record, record of Jesus' commendation of the widow who gave everything she had. It's just a fascinating coincidence. Now we're going to read the whole of chapters 8 and 9 um, together in order to have it in front of us as a whole. But as I read and studied it, I realized, or it seemed to me, that Paul was addressing just a few ideas, and most of them he addressed twice in these two chapters. So I proposed to take a thematic approach. So, but before we get started, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for all that you have done and provided and given to us especially in Christ Jesus. Thank you for your word, which instructs us and draws us closer to you as we uh, read and study and apply it. So, Father, we ask that this morning your Holy Spirit would move in us and through us and around us Help us to receive your word, Father, and then to apply it, that above all things, the name of Jesus might be exalted. We give you our thanks in his most precious name. Amen. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1. 
We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty has overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. For as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this work, also, but also, uh, and in this matter, I gave my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in, uh, in desiring may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over, whoever gathered little had no lack. But thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. With him we are sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. And not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us as we carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. We take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with them, we are sending our brother whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. And as for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. And as for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you to these men. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry of the saint, for the saints. For I know your readiness, of which you, I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated, to say nothing of you, for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you and to arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, 
so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely, He has given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, They will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Now I regret that I can't come up with some snappy words to make these four themes more memorable. So you're just going to have to take careful notes. The, the four themes are encouragements to participate in the mission, the motivations and benefits for giving, the commendation of Titus, and guidelines for handling the gifts of others. It's interesting that nowhere in this passage does Paul mention the word money. He uses the word gift and grace, but not money. We'll get back to that in a bit. So the encouragements to participate in the mission from second from yeah second Corinthians eight and the first six verses. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, uh, we urged Titus that as he had started, um, so he should complete among you this act of grace. And then in Second uh, Corinthians 9, verse 1. Now it is superfluous to me, for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that, Macedonia, that Achaia 
has been ready since last year. And your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead of you, ahead to you rather, and arrange in advance for the gift you promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The situation in and around Jerusalem was dire. And it had been for a couple of years. There had been famine as a result of several crop failures. But the church in Jerusalem had also been severely persecuted. So that those who were not farmers or herders or otherwise living directly off the land could find little work. And they were generally shunned in the marketplace. So this offering on the part of Gentile Christians was intended to help their Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ and also to forge a bond of fellowship between them. But unfortunately, because of the tension between many of the Corinthian Christians and Paul, the collection seems to have been delayed by several months and maybe as much as a year. Now, there are several reasons why we might give or otherwise become involved in any charitable exercise. For example, we might feel pressured and we might give reluctantly because of that out of a sense of duty, something like the way we pay our taxes. Or we might give to find self-satisfaction, to get a pleasant feeling, a feeling of pride in having done it. But such giving is essentially selfish. The gift is more given to the giver than to the recipient. And some might give in such a way as to build one's prestige in the community. But again, the issue is pride. And the gift would not likely be given if no one knew about it. And while in any of these situations, the gift is still given and will likely have its intended benefit for the recipients, that's all that happens. But the best way to give is because of love or in response to love. As Christians, we give because we cannot not give. Because the love of God in Christ Jesus that we have received compels us to act the same way he did. Um, Chapter 8 and verse 9. For You know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet For your sake, he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. The way Paul wrote, it seems that out of respect for their poverty, 
he had no intention of including the Macedonian church in the collection. The churches of the area, including Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea, were also persecuted and financially poor. But our God has some interesting ways. And somehow the Macedonian churches heard of this collection. And those Christians were determined to be part of that work on behalf of the Jewish church. But notice what they did. The first part of of, uh, 2 Corinthians 8. First, they recommitted themselves to the Lord. And then as a result of that, they recommitted themselves to the ministry that was led by Paul. And then they begged Paul to allow them to participate. Take a look at the contrast here. I find them fascinating. The the Macedonian Christians were being severely afflicted and yet they experienced an abundance of joy. They were in a situation of extreme poverty and yet that resulted in an overflow of a wealth of generosity. When we are fully committed to the Lord Jesus, His joy becomes part of our DNA. And even affliction in whatever form simply cannot dampen that. And the result is a wealth of generosity in many forms. Now, I doubt that the Macedonian contribution to Jerusalem, to the Jerusalem ministry was financially very large. But they gave out of their poverty and even beyond their means. And that indicates that they were joyfully and totally committed to the Lord Jesus and to his people. Paul set the example of the Macedonian churches before the Corinthians to help them to grasp the proper order of things. But Corinth was relatively wealthy. And Paul knew the trap that wealth sometimes presents to even the most deeply committed Christians. So he proposed a reminder to the church at Corinth. He was sending Titus and a couple of other respected brothers to Corinth to stir them up and to make sure that their promised gift would be ready when Paul and the Macedonian delegation arrived. What about the motivations and the benefits for giving? 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 12. Um, if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. 
As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. Whoever gathered little had no lack. And then 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all your generosity, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. The point that Paul is driving home is that while the Macedonian Christians had given far more than he had expected, Gifts to assist our brothers and sisters are not expected to bring us into poverty ourselves. But still, the Lord Jesus did commend the widow who put everything she had into the offering, trusting, expecting that God would reward her and provide her next meal. Uh, Chapter 9 and verse 7. Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, there are no limits to the ways that our God can reward our faithfulness. When we give materially, he not infrequently rewards us with an increased awareness of His nearness, of His grace, and an increase in joy. And yes, He sometimes rewards us with additional material resources as we prove our ability and our faithfulness to use them for His purposes. But that's not the point. We serve a risen Savior and His people Because he is worthy of all praise and thanksgiving. That's it. Everything we have, we have as a trust. None of it belongs to us. It's all his. Our faithfulness brings relief to the saints and praises and thanksgivings to him. And that's what the Macedonian Christians had discovered. Their joy in serving the risen Lord could not be contained. And this service to the Jewish church in Jerusalem allowed them to reflect the gracious work of their Savior.
What about the commendation of Titus? Verse, uh, chapter 8 and verse 6. Um, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. And then verses eight and, uh, chapter 8 and verses 16 and 17. But thanks be to God who put into the heart of Titus the same earnest care I have for you. For he not only accepted our appeal, but being himself very earnest, he is going to you of his own accord. Titus had been working with Paul at Corinth and throughout Macedonia. And it seems that he was the one that Paul had initially sent to Corinth with this challenge to provide support for the poor saints in and around Jerusalem. Now, Titus was familiar with the struggles of the Corinthian believers and was apparently well respected by them. So he was the most likely candidate to help them complete this act of grace. So, Paul sent him ahead. And there's the issue of guidelines for handling the gifts of others. Um, chapter 8 and verse 18. With him, that is with Titus, we're sending the brother who is famous among all the churches for his preaching of the gospel. <clears throat> and not only that, but he has been appointed by the churches to travel with us to carry out this act of grace that is being ministered by us for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our goodwill. Um, we take this course so that no one should blame us about this generous gift that is being administered by us. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. And with them we are sending our brother, whom we have often tested and found earnest in many matters, but who is now more earnest than ever because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and fellow worker for your benefit. As for our brothers, they are messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. So give proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting to, the, to you about these men, about you to these men. In a day when money was generally in the form of coin, Long before banking institutions existed, or, and certainly before they were generally trusted, even when they did exist, carrying a significant amount of money over the distance from Corinth to Jerusalem would put it in jeopardy of robbers and other brigands. And besides, if Paul were to carry it himself, there would be no objective guarantee that all of it would arrive in Jerusalem. And Paul had already been accused of initiating this gift for his own benefit. In situations like this, righteousness must not only be done, but it must be seen to be done. And that requires independent and credible witnesses. To that end, the Macedonian churches had already appointed two brothers that Paul does not name to accompany the gift uh, to Jerusalem. And the Corinthian church was expected to appoint others. 
It's interesting that this kind of double witnessing had been used for centuries before Paul. For example, when Ezra brought treasures from Babylon to Jerusalem in Ezra chapter 9, they were counted out to those who were carrying them to Babylon. And then that count was checked when the treasures arrived in Jerusalem. That sort of double witnessing is still very commonly used today. Um, I'm not an accountant, but um, I know here, for example, uh, here in this, in this assembly, every Sunday, two people count the offerings made here in this building, and two copies of that tally are made. Then a third person takes the envelope that contains the offering and one copy of the tally to the bank to deposit it. And the bank teller's count and the tally from the envelope are compared. So that no single person is ever in charge of the offering. But gifts intended to assist others may be in many forms beyond merely money. Too frequently in our society, gifts of money are seen to discharge our responsibility toward others. But think of the many other ways you are likely also giving. For example, uh, we have recently been recipients of gifts of love expressed uh, in your prayers on our behalf and in meals provided when Peggy was particularly stressed out following my accident and in assistance to putting in, in putting our yard to bed for the winter and for those gifts and concerns and prayer, thank you very much. You might be sharing in the work of the gospel by cleaning or maintaining this building or by driving someone to a medical appointment. Perhaps you send notes of encouragement to full-time workers in other assemblies or to those laboring to spread the good news of Jesus in other countries. Perhaps your labor is primarily in prayer. There are many good works that need your help and assistance and possibly helps that only you can provide. As we consider other opportunities for service, let's keep in mind the model of the Macedonian churches. Let us recommit ourselves and our whole lives and all that we have to the Lord Jesus. And then, Let's recommit ourselves to the ministry of the gospel of the Lord Jesus in whatever form that ministry might take. And then, let's ask to be allowed to participate. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. 
By their approval of their service, they will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Father, we thank you for this incredible privilege that you have given to us. You have put material resources, you've given us gifts, you've given us skills, you've given us opportunity. Father, we pray that that you would help us to recognize first that this is all yours. That you have given it to us as a trust. That we are stewards, we are ambassadors. That we owe you everything. And help us to to use all the resources that you have given to us, Lord, in ways that will bring you honor and praise and glory. In the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you're in the Timmins area, or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.